Well, welcome again to another episode of Down the Hall Podcast. We are pleased today to welcome back friend of the ep- friend of the podcast, friend of the episode, only of the episode, Linus. of this episode, <laughs> of this episode uh, specifically. It's a limited friendship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. The contract doesn't extend. We're beyond on an it. episode by episode basis right now. <laughs> uh, friend of the podcast, Lyndon Wells from top10films.uk.co.uk. Jeez, I am just yeah, struggling I knew gonna, right now. I knew you're going to mess it up. You know what it is? When you do all the work for the episode, it's hard, you know? Anyway, <laughs> wow. Rodney, what's it like to feel so carefree you can just you know, I... say whatever you... All right, anyway, Lyndon, welcome back. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Good. You already have us off track. Well, you don't have us off track, but we're already off track. Yeah, you're on the struggle bus already. Yeah, already. <laughs> the struggle bus. So, Lyndon, since we last talked, uh, you have had reviews on imdb.com. That makes you way more important than either one of us. Yeah. Very kind of you. I think I'm more important than you, so thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, you should. I, I think you should. We're all in agreement. I like it. <laughs> so, Lyndon, why are we, why do we, uh, we invite you on today? What, what are we doing today? What's this episode about? Uh, so we've decided to do another top 10 list, and today we're looking at top 10 war movies. Yeah, which which you know. I think came up in the episode last after we all agreed that we don't like war movies. So I don't know if this <laughs> makes us glutton for punishment or what it was, but I have to say the experience of watching Platoon and um, Apocalypse and now. Apocalypse Now back to back one night Ooh. led to a lot of nightmares. I think that's <laughs> so, a tough night. Yeah, that's a tough night. But um, before we get any further, um, London, you already know this, but. We are saving people 115 hours a year. What would you do or what are you doing with the time that we're saving you? Well, I'm, I'm listening to your podcast. <laughs> it's one of those things I'm doing. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, we, we appreciate that. Um, I'm get, getting some more sleep. Uh, two young kids never have enough sleep. Which, and... again, makes you more important than us. <laughs> <laughs> and just going to the cinema more often. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to try to set the agenda for the episode because I am I, I am stumbling over my words so far. You two might have to really carry this one. Uh, but what we're going to do oh, today... Oh, that's worrying. Yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to need it. So first of all, we're going to talk through what makes a war movie, quote unquote, a war movie, because yeah. we found it to be way more of a complicated question than we had thought. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, we're going to actually break down 10 through 1, our collective list, and we'll tell you how we arrived at that. Um, and towards the end of the episode, Lyndon has a quiz for Rodney and I that we know nothing about. Oh, God. And there are, there are stakes attached to it, which we will also describe later. Um, I'll give you a sneak preview with the uh, the title of the quiz. What's the title? Is uh, <laughs> I was playing with two titles. It's either The War List or Enlisted. Oh, boy. Oh, I like that. So either really straightforward or a pun. The, the loser actually gets <laughs> shipped off to war right now. <laughs> He has he has a helicopter waiting. Oh yeah, I'm that organized. Yeah, the stakes are high. Um, okay, guys, we ready? Ready. All right. Yep. Well, I don't know how you get a podcast, but you should look into it. Yes, of course, it's down the hall. Because I'm psyched. And here we go. So first of all, the question: What makes a war movie a war movie? This is defining our criteria. This was a lot more difficult than I expected. What did you guys think? Well, we we had a lot of chats about this, didn't we? And we kept coming to and from. And we kept trying to narrow down our inclusion criteria. And we kept breaking our inclusion criteria, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think I started from the 
the idea that it should be films based or inspired by real wars that are mainly focused on combat. Okay. Yeah. That's where I started. I think I had an issue because then as I think as I was trying to find like the, the movies that I really, really liked, I found that there were, there were far fewer combat movies that I could honestly say that I watched and really, really loved. And there are far more movies like the pianist, which is, surrounded by war and war is very central to the story however it's i guess it wasn't a war movie by by that definition and i think that was what i was struggling with is i found that the movies that i really loved that had the stories that or more of the stories that i cared for were based were were surrounded by war but not necessarily war movies by this criteria so i did find myself struggling through it yeah, I, I think that's the that was the hardest part too. Is when you start to think about it, war is a, an interesting enough backdrop to so many stories. So you have right. a lot of movies that are set during war times. I mean, I was even thinking, you know, Les Misérables, which is not a war movie, but the French Revolution is, you know, yeah, intertwined. Yeah. Uh, Schindler's List, recently, The Imitation Game. Yeah, The Imitation Game. I love, I love The Imitation Game, and I think. I think Chet uh, Chet often has to deal with my stubbornness in certain situations, but as we were talking about it, like I think every single one that I kept saying, like, well, what about the imitation game? That should that should count, right? And he's like, well, no, it, it it's not. It's there's not even like combat in it. I'm like, yeah, but it's a it's based on war. It's a war movie. If it, if war wasn't happening, then it wouldn't matter. The movie wouldn't exist. But uh, yeah, there was there was quite a few I had to shoot down. Uh, no pun intended. That's completely true. There are so many, there are many more films set during a war that are not about war. Right. Uh, um, it's like you said, Schindler's List, The Pianist, all those. And it's it's tough if you're just looking at combat to call them war films, but war is central to the plot. Yes. What about the fact that we wanted it to be a real war? So, but there's but that opens up to many more films as well, doesn't it? Because then you yeah. can include Starship Troopers. Good call. Uh, you can include uh, Rogue One, even. That's really a war movie. Yeah, hadn't even considered it. I'm so glad. I'm so <laughs> glad you included. I wanted to criticize that criteria, and you immediately made it better by by the fact <laughs> that that would have we would have opened ourselves up to the Star Trek uh, Star Trek Star Wars fans of the world. Because well, then Lyndon's number one would have been the Two Towers from Lord oh, of the Rings. Oh, easily. Yeah. <laughs> That too. So what we did is each of us separately came up with 10 movies um, and then we put them together and tried to find how many overlapped. And I think we gave greater weight to those that, you know, my number one, Rodney's number one and Lyndon's number one would immediately make the list no matter what and then try to find overlap from there. Uh, we had a few that overlapped all three of our lists uh, and several that overlapped at least two of ours. And that's how we came to to 10 movies. Yeah. Before we, we go into the 10 I think we should explore Rodney's dislike of war films and what it is that winds him up. Rodney, why do you not like war movies? I'm going to make it succinct and I'm going to make it easy. I think one, especially now, I think that they can be become monotonous. Um, I find that movies that I'm just watching combat over and over and over again, eventually it just like it glaze like I glaze over. Uh, I'm desensitized to like a lot of the violence after a little while. Um, so if the story isn't really, really compelling, then it's hard for me to just continually be interested by the same shootout, 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 death, 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 
you know, gore, gore. Like it, it just eventually I just get tired and I'm like, okay, well, what, what's happening next? So I think that's component number one, but component number two, and I know this is going to be an awful thing to say. You have a multi-point argument. Yeah, I wasn't even ready. I forgot that this was a part of the, I, I forgot that, I forgot we were going to talk about this, but I'm ready. And the part number two, and I guess I'm glad that Lyndon's on the line because one thing that I'm not, I'm not like super patriotic in the sense that like, I don't probably just immediately side with the, like, I just kind of feel like war is really tragic. So I don't always feel like, I feel like I'm supposed to immediately be rooting for certain characters without, without needing to be, I don't know, convinced, I guess. But I don't know, there are certain situations and certain combat scenes where I'm just like, I get it, like, I'm rooting, you know, if we talked about uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which didn't make the list, but as I'm watching that, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, like, I don't feel great about all of the death that's happening here. I think that's really interesting. You brought up the point of, like, the patriotism and how far that's pushed in some, especially modern war movies. And I think that's going to come up in some of our list as well, I think. And especially, I think, in the second half of, like, Hacksaw Ridge, you said, for, uh, for example, goes into territory of almost war porn. Right. It's just it's just violence for the sake of violence and just right. showing how much gore they can show. You didn't like the scene when Andrew Garfield was pulling Vince Vaughn uh, and sliding I, on his butt as he was firing? I, I particularly I particularly did not care for that scene. I thought the movie was, like, <laughs> I, 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 was I was interested in that story um, because of Andrew Garfield, like, or because of the portrayal of Dobbs. Uh, Daniel Doss, David Dobbs, <laughs> I said, I was Rachel Doss no. from, from Batman. <laughs> but so, um, I, I, I apologize because I should remember his name. I like, I, I, I found his story fascinating. Um, I really did. Um, but not know, too fascinating, not enough to remember the name, but there's like just enough fascinating. <laughs> um, no, I, I, especially after watching so many war films, like you said, you, you guys watched Platoon and Apocalypse Now in one night. That's, that's tough. <laughs> it's and a there's, tough night. It's a tough watch. And there's so many like repeated tropes and cliches. You've got your voiceover, you've got your really melodramatic music, you've got death everywhere. Uh, the new, the newbie coming in is all shocked. Uh, there's just so many tropes, the family at home, they're all sad that they've gone to war. Right. It's just, it, it you watch so many and it gets a bit repetitive. Right. Agreed. All right. So let's get into the list, guys. Are we ready? I think so. Born ready. All right. So uh, I'm going to start with number 10, um, which was 13 hours. So I think this is probably the most surprising pick. And it was one that um, I think Chet and I both uh, agreed on. So what I found, uh, sorry, it was, it starred John Krasinski. Uh, director was Michael Bay. I thought that they did a really good job of incorporating the stories in a way that made um, specific characters, uh, particularly the one uh, portrayed by John Krasinski, really, really fascinating uh, throughout the movie. So I think this one is probably more of a Chet and Rodney vote uh, than than a consensus top 10 pick. Uh, okay, so I hadn't seen this film, and both you guys had it in your list. I was like, I better watch it. Um, and I'm always worried about Michael Bay, especially his recent run of form. Uh, and I completely understand what you're saying with the tension coming up to the combat. But yeah. you've got the first third of a very average movie. It's mm. pretty one-dimensional. It's a very one-sided view. There's very little subtlety. Uh, there's very cliched portrayals of the alpha military male versus the useless pen pusher guys. And there are some laughable lines in the first half. 
uh, like when he first arrives, the John Krasinski character, uh, he's told something like, you can't tell the good guys from the bad guys. Um, when he, he has a little flashback to his uh, family life and his wife has about five lines the whole film, she says something like, the girls don't need a treehouse, Jack, they need you. It's all very <laughs> melodramatic. Um, Can they I also just think, get a treehouse, though? Can it be oh, both? Yeah. I think there's room for both, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it is a very one-dimensional, one-sided view. But once that's over and done with, and you, they start building the tension and goes towards the combat, is a very, a very impressive film, like, visually. It's kind of like, I'd describe it as a Call of Duty cinema. Yep. Uh, it's put, putting faceless enemy, enemies in the crosshairs, but it's very effective at doing that. Yep. Now, I, I think if we're being honest, this has more to do with the fact that Rodney is the world's biggest fan of, of The Office. So John Krasinski, anything John Krasinski immediately gets extra points. So there had to be room there. <laughs> and when I didn't realize he was in it, when I, was, I kept expecting to like Riley look at the camera and give a wink or yeah. something like that. Oh, no, he does. He, he does. In the I feel like in the deleted scenes, so, like they have to keep telling him, hey, John, John, this, this isn't The Office. We're going to jump right to the next one because uh, I get that that one's number 10 uh, for a reason. But the next one, uh, I think, Lyndon, you and I agree mostly on this one. Enemy at the yeah. Gate uh, with Jude Law, Ed Harris. The director was Jean-Jacques Annaud. Uh This, to me, also fits in that same uh, the same vein of there being a lot of tension in this movie throughout. And like, like there's a lot of build-up. I think... There's something really cool about the. It's like a showdown of snipers. I totally agree. This is a great film. I'm so happy this is on our list. Uh, the yeah, the tension between the snipers is so good. Um, Jude Law on a, almost a career high performance, I think here. Yeah. And the tension of the final showdown between the snipers is so good. And yeah. they're just the the showdown between is it's Jude Law and Ed Harris character, isn't it? The two, the two snipers and how it completely consumes them is. Right. So it's fascinating. It's such a good film. Well, I guess I should say this was not one of mine at all. I was actually, but it also replaced another one that also was not one of mine. So I was prepared to uh, rip into both. Um, but I guess what I'll say for the sake of even the listener is as we go through this list, remembering the purpose of the podcast, we're, we're trying to recommend movies that are worth watching. And part of that as you know, anything, anytime you're, you're putting a list together of favorite movies or top 10, this top 10, that regarding film, it's extremely subjective. So there's an element of personal taste involved. And I think that as Lyndon Rodney and I continue part of the open-mindedness to this is that, you know, I didn't care for it at the time. You guys both seem to love it. So I will give it another shot. I'll watch it again. I think that's a good, you know, moving forward, something we could uh, be willing to do because I know as, as as when I watched this the first time, it was right around a time where I saw another movie that Lyndon has strong feelings against. Rodney, I don't think I told you this. <laughs> Wait, which movie? I brought up the movie. Um, I've, heard, I've heard it pronounced two different ways, but like U five seven one or U five seventy one submarine yeah. submarine movie. Um, and I I referenced it because I remember it was you know for me a movie that it was I think it was like the first one I got just by myself at a movie store. Okay, so you know just as as, as a kid just thought yeah. I was super, but. Lyndon has some pretty strong feelings about against it. it. And before we go, into, this is not on the list. This is just worth hearing. Oh, well, Lyndon, this wasn't going anywhere rant. near the list. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to burn it. <laughs> well, I, I think both of our react, mine and Chet's reactions, really interesting because you films and you're like, who is the director? The director of Fundamentals of Caring. What did he say? Your um, Robert you're formed by the, the formative years of your youth. 
tend to dictate your favorite things. Yes, exactly. And we both have a, like an emotional memory, I think, to this film because you remember going to get it from the movie store. I remember from renting it. I really wanted to watch it with my dad. My dad used to be in the Navy and I, he would seen this film advertised. I remember watching it with him and then he absolutely ripped it apart afterwards yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just because yeah. it's so historically inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Like the everything that happens in the film um, during the, that's set in the Second World War, a uh, submarine crew stealing an Enigma machine, and it's all done by an American crew. This all happened before the Americans even joined the war. Right. How it happened is so historically inaccurate, and it's got Bon Jovi in. Just <laughs> so <laughs> wound. Yeah, that's a brutal uh, part. Uh, and I just, I, to be fair, I probably need to watch it again. But I just remember. No, you my probably dad's don't. Rea- you probably don't. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. But I just I remember more my dad's reaction to the film, and then I remember reading lots about it, and it was even mentioned at the time when it came out in like uh, the Houses of Parliament about how inaccurate this film was. <laughs> it was all a big thing in the news. Uh, so I I associate that much more with the film, and just they have the affront to start the film with. This is based on a true story. I love so, how I love how as you're describing that you're saying you know it's inaccurate because of this or that. Ronnie's going, mm-hmm, I know, good no. point. Like, you don't know. No, Get no, out no. of here. I don't. Uh, what I'm trying to agree with, what all that I'm trying to agree with is, here come the Americans taking credit. <laughs> here we come. Hey, that was that was us, right? Hey, let's make, make a movie about it. Number eight is a film from 2001, directed by Ridley Scott, Black Hawk Down. Uh, it is a film based on a true story from the book by Mark Bowden that recounts the uh, the near disastrous events of a 1993 raid in Somalia by the. Uh, the U.S. military aimed at capturing a, a warlord, mm-hmm. and it led to what was known as the the Battle of Mogadishu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the film depicts the large and drawn out gunfight triggered by the destruction of um, two U.S. Black Hawk helicopters and the efforts to reach them. Hence the title. And uh, it's got, as you find with many war films, it's got a great ensemble cast. And as you find with many war films, it produces some of the their career best performances. I don't think Josh Hartnett's done anything better than this. Uh, and in this, in Black Hawk Down, we've got Ewan McGregor, Eric Banner, Tom Sizemore, Jason Isaacs, Tom Hardy's in it as well. Um, and it's very much, it's, I think it's on a similar vein to 13 Hours. It is kind of Call of Duty cinema, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. The, the, the fight scenes are pretty spectacular. So the editing of this film is, is incredible. When the first Black Hawk, the Super 6 one, goes down. It edits beautifully between the, the actual crash and what they're watching on like, the command base screen from the drone. Uh, it's really clever. Um, it did get a bit of uh, criticism when it first came out based on the... It was very pro-American and very the way they depicted the, the Somalians. But it's still the action in it is still very impressive. And I love Ewan McGregor in this film. He's um, obsessed with making coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the reason I like this, uh, I find that I am drawn to stories where it's a few versus many or, or a group, yeah. you know, kind of coming together against odds to, you know, fight their way out of it. Like even like the Alamo is probably one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, and I just think with this, you know, there was this this crew that were, you know, together trying to basically fight their way out of a scenario that seemed impossible. And everywhere they turned, it just was continuing to get worse. Um, and so it, while it was a continuing, you know, fight scene, so I can understand like what Roddy was saying before that, that, that can get old. Mm -hmm. I think just the idea that it was, it, it just seemed different to me. It seemed, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really like the concept of, you know, fighting your way out of impossible odds. Yeah. The, the, um, 
I think the only addition that I have here is I remember seeing this movie and it was probably the first time that I had seen a body like in half in a movie. <laughs> I feel like I might have seen it in theaters. I would have been pretty young, but I think I remember seeing it in theaters. Um, I I this I unfairly I unfairly don't like movies that are like con- that desert orange like the whole way through aesthetics Roddy's big on aesthetics like like like, the color palette yeah it it gets to me after a little while so our number seven uh, on this list is comes from the uh, 2014 it is Fury starring Brad Pitt Shia LaBeouf and Michael Pena directed by David Iyer now I love this movie. I feel like I like this way more than most people I talk to about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that I loved it was the idea that that the war was over, but it was still extremely dangerous for troops to be in Germany. You know, like the the, the movie kicks off and essentially the war is done. Like it's inevitably coming to an end, but it's still extremely dangerous for for troops to be in Germany. And so they are, you know, they're a crew that's in a tank and they're making their way through through Germany. Uh, when there's still a tremendous amount of threat. And I, you know, you, it's almost something you don't think too much about historically. You think about, you know, the war came to an end and everybody packed up and left, but, you know, that's definitely not the case. There's still a lot going on, uh, for a while afterwards. And this was one of the only movies I can think of that depicted that. Yeah, it, it does do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the first half of the film is a lot stronger than the second half. I think the, the closing acts a bit weaker compared to the I rest agree. of the film. But it is another great ensemble, as you see with a lot of war films. Sheer LaBeouf is actually watchable and is pretty good in this. The tank fight halfway through is very unrealistic, but great visually to watch. <laughs> um, and Brad Pitt's very good in it as well. But yeah. I think the film loses its focus in the final third. I guess this one made its way onto the list just based on the fact that I haven't seen the quantity of war movies that I have of other movies. Um, but I was tempted to not even have it on a list because at the end, I think... We're going to have to cut this. Because there's spoilers. someone out there who has not... Yeah, that is the ultimate spoiler. <laughs> that is the definition of a spoiler. I thought you about act, it as I was saying like, it. I that's about, not a spoiler. No, no, no. I thought about it as I was saying it, but then I thought this wasn't something that we... Next time, had to think be about it before three. you're saying it. <laughs> I thought about it even as I said it. <laughs> so number six is a big one. Uh, it, number six is Braveheart. So this is a film everybody's seen. It's uh, <laughs> except, you haven't. except for Roddy. No, I started. Oh, it. You're joking. No, I've started it a few times, but I've never it's... like I've never like sat down and watched the whole thing. I know I know the beginning and I know the end. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> but I think the fact that you know the beginning and the end without seeing it shows what a big Correct. film it is and how 100%. it entered popular culture. And <clears throat> it's a really epic Oscar-winning film. And just it's uh, Mel Gibson's career highlight, both in front and behind the camera. I didn't have this on my list originally because I wasn't sure it counted as a war film. I thought it was a bit more of a like historical epic. Mm-hmm. But Chet kept pushing it, and I'm glad he did. Yeah. So I'm really happy to see it on the list. Do you, um, do you yeah. think that is it um, – is it like too, too – like the time frame doesn't fit or like what would be the thing that that prevented you because I, I remember chet and i talking about it and i i kind of thought well, well why wouldn't it because it's more of a it's because of where it starts it's more of a biopic of his life and you don't reach the kind of the war and all the fighting yeah. till a good like opening third after it yeah. and that's got nothing to do with war right. it's all setting up his love life and everything like that right and it is 
yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad it's on the list and you've convinced me uh, that it should be, it does include, you can include it as a war film. I'm glad we did. Um, yeah, even though it's full of historical inaccuracies and the bad guys are the nasty Englishmen. The yeah. English. <laughs> uh, those... we, we, didn't, we didn't include the Patriot on here, Lyndon, which would have been, uh, been great. We're, we're still yeah. going to get to that. There's, uh, there's a conversation, Lyndon, I had that, oh, okay, that uh, you will be privy to soon. Um, I do, uh, yeah, just, just about Braveheart, I think like Rodney said, even though I hasn't seen it, it's got one of the most uh, quotable lines in a film, like when he shouts freedom at the end, everybody right. knows what that happens. Yep. Um, the the violence in it is pretty gory. They even get arrows in the arse at points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a great film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, made me want to go out and buy a kilt. Um, all right, so this next one, number five, is actually uh, my number one. So, guys, I don't know how you guys made, managed to put it so far back, uh, but whatever. I, I'm not. I'm we not let you have fury. Fully bitter. Okay, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a fair trade off. Yeah. Uh, 1963. Star-studded cast, uh, The Great Escape. Um, this is not only my favorite war movie of all time. It is in usually, as I you know often think through it, it's it usually finds its way into my top top ten movies ever. Just any type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, to name a few. There's several others that are sort of the big name actors of that time. Directed by John Sturgis. It's based off of true events. It's the story of these uh, prisoners of war during World War II uh, in Germany. And they were each each known for having escaped prison camps before. So they all are kind of dumped into this sort of super camp, meaning like, like there's no chance of escaping. And they uh, plan and attempt to pull off the largest the largest you know, prison break that, uh, that had ever been attempted. Uh, you know, usually those are, you know, 10 to 15 people at a time. This was, they were attempting to break out 250 soldiers. So it's a really great story. Um, it doesn't, I, I think it does a good job of not, um, I think it does a good job of showing that they were actually befriending some of the, the prison guards. You know, it, you, you think that a lot of times war movies tend to dehumanize, uh, especially the Germans when it comes to World War oh, II yeah. movies. But this movie, I thought, showed a, a human element to even the other side of things. So loved it. It's it's one that I, I never get tired of watching. I think that's rare for a war film as well, isn't it? Because they're usually quite tough to watch, pretty gruesome, and they're not ones you watch often. But I'd say this is the film on the list that I enjoy the most, that I can sit and watch whenever it's on. I think the only thing, so I have not seen it. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, But I guess the only question that I have is you said that these are all people that had attempted to escape before. So they put them all in a one camp together in like the super camp. Yeah. So, so they've been prisoners for uh, like multiple years at this point and they had, like they continue to break out. So what one point of the movie, uh, I believe it's Richard Attenborough's character explains that it's the sworn duty of a soldier who is captured to try to create as much of a havoc for their, mm-hmm. for their captors. So yeah. they, they're continually trying to escape and they don't get even too far. And then they, they get brought back. So this is where they're like, okay, we're sick of these guys doing this. We're putting them in this one camp that is impossible to escape out of. And so then they work on this, this massive plan. Sounds, sounds like a bit of an oversight on the, uh, on the Germans. <laughs> doesn't it? Hey, we've got all these troublemakers. Let's put them all in one place. <laughs> what, what could these crafty escape artists do altogether? You know? Yeah, and the fact that not every single German guard was completely suspicious at all times. 
what are you doing? Uh, you know, we're gardening. Hey, <laughs> so, that's the that's the only addition I have to add to this. I, I trust that it's great. I will. I promise I will go out of my way to see it. So number four is my number one. Uh, it is Platoon, the 1986 film written directed by Oliver Stone, which was the best picture and best director Oscar winner. So this is our first our first Vietnam War film on the list. And this uh, follows Charlie Sheen. He has his new recruit as he's confronted with the reality of the Vietnam War and he, he gets wrapped up in a moral crisis as well. This film really holds no punches. The first thing he sees is a collection of dead bodies when he first arrives. There's no, this film is all about the war. There's no family at home scenes, no bookends of old man looking at a grave, no melodrama of the normal life at home. It's all set within Vietnam which is quite, I think, a bold and clever move because everything you learn about the characters is from their actions in Vietnam. It um, it uses all the the usual war movie tropes that I usually hate, like uh, voiceover, melancholic music. But when it's done right, like in this film, I think it really elevates the film. I love the um, cinematography of this film. I think there's maybe a film higher up on the list that is a bit more artful in its cinematography. But this film has got like a grainy, dirty framing that really represents the conflict. And even if you haven't seen the film, everybody recognises that uh, image of um, William Defoe with his, uh, on his knees with his arms raised in the air. That's a pretty iconic image in popular culture. And it's another great ensemble cast. Kevin Dillon's in it and he actually shows off he can act. You've got uh, John C. McGingley as well. But what I really like about the film is... Um, it's not just about war. It's about what war does to their humanity. And it's about the duality and brutality of man. Mm -hmm. And it really comes into a quite violent crescendo. And when I think of a war film, I think this represents everything I think a war film is. So that's interesting because, you know, we had said before that sometimes a weakness of the film is by uh, making heroes out of the main characters when, as Rodney said, in war, it's a tragedy. And there's, there's, you know, gruesome things that happen on both sides this movie took the opposite stance and it showed you know the it was about you know essentially war crime right you know yeah. Ill illegal killing so it showed the 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 violence and just the sheer you know depravity that that can be brought out from that type of environment uh even from which you know from the american side which like we said before in hollywood is usually depicted as the good guys yeah yeah i guess the there's, yeah there's no good guys in this film there's just there's just a lot of darkness that this movie puts on display that I think from my, from my perspective um, makes this more interesting and makes it more um, memorable as a movie because it, it's not trying to tell this really pretty arcing story. It's kind of saying, Hey, this is brutal. Yeah. And even the, the main character, Chris, who comes in as a very high and mighty moral individual by the end of it, he's completely brutal as well and has right. to do some things he never thought he would right. all because of being part of that conflict and being there. Right. Going into the next one, talking about a movie that starts, starts in a brutal way. Um, <laughs> so Inglorious Bastards is number three, uh, which I loved. Um, I think this, I don't, uh, Quentin, so it's Brad Pitt, Diane Kruger, Christoph Waltz, who I love in this movie, Michael Fassbender, and it was uh, a Tarantino and Eli Roth movie. Um, I think this was the movie where I really, where I said, like, okay, like, 
officially this is my favorite Tarantino movie. I think it was done. I, I love the Kill Bill movies, but this one in particular just won me over. And I think just it was a stylistic take on a war movie. Um, and I just thought it was done in- incredibly well. And the first scene uh, that starts with Christoph Waltz kind of toying with... Um, you know, toying with a guy in his house with who, um, you know, had his family like hiding under the floorboards and, and you kind of knew that he was going to, it, to me, it's one of the most vivid openings. It's an opening. I'm pretty sure it's the opening scene. It's, it's one of the most like gut wrenching opening scenes of a movie. And from that point on, I, I swear I watched the movie like on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Never was there a more intense scene involving milk. No, it's just so <laughs> gross. Like Christoph Waltz is is evil in a way. Like I'll never, I could never see him as anything but a villain after this movie, but because he did it so well. Um, for me, it doesn't quite reach the Quentin Tarantino heights of Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, but I, I also love this film. I, I, well, I didn't like it that much when I first saw it. Oh, I yeah. loved the opening scene, and I thought, I thought the film was a collection of amazing scenes, but not necessarily a cohesive whole. Yeah. But then I've rewatched it a couple of times, and I think I was wrong about that. I think it's a great film. Um, I wasn't sure if it counted as a war movie, so I thought it was maybe right. more of a film set during the war than about war. But I'm so happy to have it on the list, yeah. especially I think it deserves to be this high on the list. And like you said about the milk, the um, he makes a reference to it later uh, yeah. in the film, doesn't he? And when they're in that restaurant, which is yep. just just by saying the word milk, he's so creepy. Oh my god, he's the worst. He's the worst. Yeah. Um, but and, but the, the whole film is so tense. It's, uh, yeah. And I think, you've got that scene in the bar with um, Fassbender as well. It's yeah. so good. I think this this movie is one um, that falls in that category of like greatest game. I, I feel like I could keep watching this one just because yeah. th- there is a lot of entertainment value. Like I, I wouldn't ever really want to have to watch Platoon again. Like especially like if it were by myself, I'd never put it on again just because it's too it's too much. Um, or I can't, you know, there's not many moods that I'd want to see that again. Um, but Inglorious Bastards, I feel like is, uh, truly entertaining. This, uh, this film for me as well, it's got a special place in my heart because I couldn't sleep the night before my wedding, just put the TV on and this came on and it was perfect. <laughs> Lovely distraction. <laughs> yeah, wow, there you go. Yeah, no, that's, and I can see that. That's great. <laughs> Wait, are you saying you had? You're not saying you had second thoughts. You're saying you oh no, oh, no, you're just <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, I think that's the thing too. When you have when you have those moments where like distractions come in perfectly, I feel like those movies instantly get raised higher on my list too. Like if yeah. a movie is is a relief of some sort, I have like a fondness for it, like way beyond its probably true true rating. You know, it is got like an emotional memory or connection then you remember that film much more yeah 100 percent. like you 571 <laughs> our second our, our number two movie on the list and to me this is the one that whenever i had been talking about how this was going to be the episode we were doing uh different friends of mine immediately brought this movie uh to to the conversation that's saving private ryan 1998 uh, tom hanks matt damon uh directed by steven spielberg spielberg this is one that the opening sequence, which depicts the Battle of Normandy, mm-hmm. is I think why it's probably as famous as it is. Yeah, the movie. probably. I think that's its sort yeah. of defining feature. Not that it's not also a really intriguing story of soldiers who are tracking down um, Private Ryan, whose uh, other brothers had been killed, um, and so you know now they're trying to get him out of there to send mm-hmm. him back home. Uh, that that alone is an intriguing story, but the opening sequence. You know, the violence, the um, intensity of what that was for the soldiers going onto that beach is what I 
think stands out to people as we think back on that movie. I think even if you haven't seen it all the way through, people stop and watch probably that that first part before they maybe, you know, go to something else. I think that's that's that alone is the intriguing part of it. And also Rodney's in this film as a sniper, isn't he? Or yeah, his, Barry Pepper. His, was, his doppelganger, Barry Pepper, yeah. makes an appearance. Yeah. Which is which is the disappointing part for me. I'm always like, oh, that's it, huh? That's my that's my doppelganger. Well, that stinks. <laughs> He's good in this film, though. Yeah, he is. No, as an actor, I would love to be. I'd love to be as good an actor. I I just was ready for a better comparison in, at that particular moment in time. Um, so you've seen this film then? Um, I've seen. Uh, I should say I've seen this like in bits and pieces. I haven't really. I've seen the opening scene. But see, there's a, I have a struggle getting back through, like, especially like an epic movie like this, because it feels like a responsibility, you know? And so I've started it a few times, but started it like, you know, more out of like, okay, I really should have seen this already. And like the opening sequence is actually kind of hard for me to get through because at this point it's like, yeah, I get it. But I've also explained that I'm not like, it's monotonous to me. You know, like the opening, the open, and I get why, like, probably at its point in time, too, as people watched it, like, it, you know, is 1998. I remember people talking about the opening scene after when it had come out. Like, I remember people talking about it like it was the craziest and the most, like, brutal thing that they had ever seen and, like, how great a job it did. It's, and to me, at this point, it's like, I get it, but I also don't appreciate it like um, I would have then. No, I understand what you're saying there. I think I saw the opening scene of this film about 20 times before I watched the whole film. Yeah, it just it was on at school. We <laughs> showed it in history lessons. It was just I just seemed to what seemed to pop up everywhere. Yeah, uh, and it was a couple of years after the film was actually released that I sat down and watched the whole film. And to be fair, the the film is pretty impressive, and Tom Hanks is as as always spectacular in it. You can just see like almost the as the film goes on, the loss of humanity in his eyes. And I think it ends really well. I, I'm still waiting to get in far enough into the movie where I'm like, where they talk about Private Ryan. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, okay, you don't you don't get to talk about this anymore. Though, All right, not cool. this one. <laughs> which is, which I'm is, not the one who said I said from the start I don't love war movies. I'm the fair. one who said that. Well, conveniently enough for you, we're moving on to our number one war movie for this list. What is it, Lyndon? So, no surprises, it's Apocalypse Now. The 1979 film by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Martin Sheen and Marlon Brando. It follows uh, Martin Sheen's special ops soldier, Willard, who's tasked to track down a rogue colonel, Colonel Kurtz, played by Marlon Brando, who's waging his own war with a private army in Cambodia, and he's acting almost like a demigod. And mm-hmm. uh, Two thirds of the film are really just Willard making his way through Vietnam on this riverboat to, to track down Colonel Kurtz. the The main thing about this film is it's, it was made in 1979. It looks amazing. So true. The it's the, the film is it's, it's the closest I think I can get to describing a film as a work of art. Mm-hmm. the The cinematography is spectacular. The use of um, oh, Rodney must love the color palette in this because the use of color is I amazing. <laughs> there's like a deep red filter in the battle scenes there's some purple smoke it is it's so it's so like it just looks amazing it, it does i i have to say i completely agree like from from the second that we started it i immediately was like oh wow i already get it it's a movie that was made in 1979 but 
if you were to have told me it was made in 1999, I would have said, yeah, I believe, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even thought for two seconds. It, it's like, there's nothing about it that couldn't be described as a work of art. And I feel like even as I watched it, I realized like how many scenes it's influenced, uh, like pop culture scene. I mean, the scene of the head kind of slowly coming up out of the water. Um, I'm trying to think yeah. of more there. There are more, but there, as, as you sit there and see it, you realize how this is shaped, um, shaped many movies uh and probably cinematography in general um especially within more movies and the the last thing that i really have to add to this one that again i think makes it fascinating and intriguing the whole way through is that it's a really unique story and he's kind of on this mission and all of the battles along the way as he's making his way through vietnam are really just you know distract or not distractions but they're kind of like points along the way but they're not the point, you know? And I think that's why this movie too has just this epic story and, and really creative story. Uh, like you said, where he's trying to track down Colonel Kurtz, who, um, you know, kind of inexplicably was somebody that, you know, has gone off the reservation, if you will. But, you know, everything about his background would not lead you to think that he would be someone to do that. So there's kind of that built in fascination of trying of, of, um, Martin Sheen trying to figure out what happened. Um, so to me, I completely get it. Um, you know, I think I would have had a hesitation of putting it number one, just without having seen it, that, that it would just be reputation alone, but having watched it, I, it, you know, I get why it's second to none in this category. I, I think as well, what's so special about this film is the history about it as well. It's meant to be a 16 week shoot. And it took 283 days. There's a, um, documentary called uh, hearts of darkness that um coppola's wife filmed like filmed it in secret quite a lot and coppola making this film goes on almost his own colonel kurtz kind of journey he keeps he's got scenes in the um documentary where he's saying it's awful it's rubbish it's the worst thing he's ever done he puts a lot of his own money into it mm. marlon brando is he turned up overweight not really knowing his lines um <laughs> So they had to like, it makes the film better somehow, but they have to film him kind of half in shadow where they can't really see him properly because he's really overweight in it. And he just, and in the film it works, but Colonel Kurtz just rambles absolute rubbish. That's because Marlon Brando just went off on a tangent so he didn't want to learn the lines. And there's also bits where Martin Sheen was fighting um, alcoholism during it as well. And the scene at the beginning where he like cracks a mirror. Uh, is it a mirror? Yeah, I think yeah. I'm sure it's a mirror, yeah. yeah. And he like, cuts his hand. That all happened for real. He was absolutely... Really? wasted apparently during that scene yeah um, that's, he, he played it convincingly yeah. yeah exactly so there's just so much history behind the film as well and the, the original theatrical version just ends there's no credits it's such an eerie ending and then he released like a three just over three hour uh redux version in the 90s which was it in the 90s yeah, i'm sure it was um which is i think adds some more elements as well it's yeah. um the history about it is just as fascinating as the film I'll be honest, you know, this is one that I had seen in pieces. And so when it appeared on your list, Lyndon, I knew it was time that I had to watch it all the way through. And I described it to you as nothing short of a cinematic experience. This is like, you know, you have movies, you have great movies, and then you have movies that are defining movies. And it, when they're, when those pop up, any, like any person who loves film needs to go out of their way to see those. Uh, and I would, Rodney, I would define Saving Private Ryan and Braveheart as those as well. So you got to get on that. But, you know, Apocalypse Now. <laughs> well, from, and The Great Escape. Yeah. 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 Truly. Guys, don't tell but, me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, you know, Apocalypse Now for me 
is now one of, you know, I gave it a, a nine. So it's now one of the movies that I consider upper echelon in terms of my own favorites. So it's just, it was stunning. It was beautiful. And Robert Duvall's character midway through, <laughs> so great. It's, you know, it's funny, and, isn't it? He doesn't start the movie. He doesn't end the movie, but he's perfectly placed in the beginning, you know, right in the, in the middle where yeah. it just gives this comedic break to this extremely dark and tense storyline. You know what's funny to me, though? I didn't realize that Marlon Brando like showed up. Like, I didn't know that history. Um, so that's funny to me, too, that they also wanted to show him in shadows. But I thought it led to, like you had said, him um, being more easily perceived as a demigod. I thought that it yeah. led into that whole, in a way, maybe them shooting it in, in the shadows and everything, like, ended up, ends up working really well. Um, it adds to the like, mythology of the character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With with this list, you know, as always, we, we would love to have some listener interaction. If you agree with this, if you think there, there's some that we missed or, uh, one that, you know, besides Fury, cause that's, that's a permanent fix, you know, that's a fixed point on the list. Yes. You can't change that. <laughs> if there's any that you disagree with, please let us know. Uh, we right now are going to get into what we would consider the notable snubs. So, Lyndon, what do you think, uh, is your favorite war movie to not appear on this list? Um, so I think I'm going to mention Full Metal Jacket. So I think we, uh, when you think about war films, you think about the the Vietnam films. I think they're the ones that stand out for me. And this is uh, Stanley Kubrick's film from 1987. Mm. And the um, opening opening half, really, where they're uh, at like the training camp before they go off to Vietnam. And uh, uh, Lee Emery's uh, drill sergeant, he was like the first every drill sergeant you've seen in any film after this is based on this character. He's a horrible, horrible man and what he puts them through, but there's also an element of dark humor to it as well. And then the second half of the film is all set in Vietnam and it gets a bit, a little bit preachy and on the nose. Mm. Uh, so I prefer the first half of this film, but it's, um, it's a tentpole in the war movies, the way, because of this drill sergeant and it, Every drill sergeant that followed afterwards is based on this character. Yeah, you know the um, the character that that stands out to me from that movie is uh, I'm, the the actor's name is escaping me, but he plays Wilson Fisk and and uh, oh Dare, Vincent Joffre in Daredevil. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, his transformation oh, yeah. in that movie is eerie. Yeah, because yeah, he's he's the big schlubby guy, isn't he? He's a bit rubbish. He's a bit shy, but he's. A murderous psychopath by the end of it. Yeah. yeah yikes. Yeah. It, it is. It is a good point. My my notable snub is, and, and Linda and I had a conversation about this. Rodney is uh is the Patriot, and when I had first put my list out there, it included both the Patriot and Braveheart. And am I thinking? Am I missing another one? But Lyndon said, "I love how you have the down with the English, you yeah. know, <laughs> covered." Um, but I think the reason I like that movie so much is, you know, like, understandably so. It's it's set in a different in a different time, but it, it's one of the few movies that has depicted the events around the revolutionary war and uh, did so in a way that that was, I thought really well done. And I thought Heath Ledger was great in it. And Mel Gibson, of course, um, I, I love that movie. You know, it's, it's one that I consider to be one of my, one of my favorites. Um, so I'm a bit, you know, sour at you both for this, not making the list. <laughs> It seems to be a defining one, and I think that the listeners would agree. The, the uh, oversight on my part is now we could have both yelled freedom to to Lyndon, you know, not, <laughs> you know, kind of like taking the Mel Gibson line, True. even though it wasn't Mel Gibson. You know, obviously it's different, yeah. uh, but I think that's what it's a, it was an oversight check. We should have planned this better. Yeah, it's okay. My Mine is probably one that we would have 
been a contentious one as a war movie anyway, but was Hotel Rwanda. So I think my case for it being a war movie is that it is it is a genocide. So I guess it's it's less of um you know there being two two sides of a conflict, if you will. But I feel like it was combat throughout, and it's a it's a really really powerful movie, um, and is probably the reason that. No matter what, I always love Don Cheadle. Okay, guys. So as we move to part three of our of our uh, our podcast today, before we get into the quiz that Lyndon has for Rodney and I, which again we know nothing about, um, you know, Lyndon has agreed to joining uh, joining the down the hall guys uh, for you know the 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 ongoing future every few months doing top 10 lists and so we're excited for that you know and you know we're gonna we're gonna bring you you know every once in a while probably every three months another top 10 list and hopefully have Lyndon on as a guest reviewer for you know one of our, our regular movies too i think i love it except the only thing that i feel is nervousness because i feel like between you guys's email exchange that there's a, secretly a mutiny happening where one day I'm going to wake up and, and there's going to be like a new episode of down the hall podcast. And it's going to be you two talking. And I'm going to be like, Oh, I think I got, I got booted out. You know, it's gonna be, uh, me, Lyndon and John Negroni. Yeah. <laughs> so but you're the only one to be recognized in public so far. That's, oh yeah. Good Cats point. That's true. And I, um, <laughs> yes, I agree. I am the famous one. <laughs> old Barry pepper. <laughs> Good old Barry pepper. Well, when we before we get to the quiz, Lyndon, why don't you tell us a little bit more about about the website for those who don't know anything about it, who maybe weren't listening the first time you came around, and tell us what you're doing next for the site. Yeah, first I'd say thanks for having me on again, and I'm really excited to do more uh, podcasts in the futures. Uh, they're, they're really good fun. Uh, so the website is top10films.co.uk. There's always plenty of uh, competitions, reviews, articles. We try and put a uh, top ten new top ten list out every week. Our current list of the week is based on the teaser trailer for the new It film, uh, the top 10 times Tim Curry terrified us in Stephen King's It. Yeah. Ooh. So that's a great top 10 list. And yeah, if you want to terrify yourself, have a look at that. <laughs> you know what's, Another you know what's re- not a good time to watch that movie, but also is a fantastic time to watch that movie is at, you know, like a, a birthday party sleepover when you're 10 years old. That was my experience. <laughs> oh. Wait, but that is, is awful. <laughs> you know, I could see Tim Curry in any setting, and I would still be. I I wouldn't say hi to him in person. Like I wouldn't even go shake his hand. Is like I wouldn't even treat him like a celebrity. I'd run the other direction. How many he? How many creepy movies does he have? What movie am I thinking of right now where he does the creepy big smile? What What movie was that? <laughs> you guys know this is, this is podcast gold. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, Lyndon. My my bad. That was my fault. I interrupted you. You were talking about the site. Yeah, no no worries. Um, Also, up on the site at the minute, we've got plenty of other top 10 lists. We've got top 10 directorial debuts. And I've uh, recently just posted a review for the latest Wolverine film, Logan, which I think is uh, the perfect stage for the Wolverine swan song. So, yeah, head over and have a look. Very cool. I, I, I keep up with what you guys are doing over there, and I uh, I retweet the information when it comes out, and I definitely always check up on those lists. They're a lot of fun. Um, so, Linda, what do you have for us? You have this quiz. So, before I guess before we even do the quiz, the, the stakes, we should determine the stakes, right? It's it, Lyndon's idea was that since we're going to be doing another top 10 list with him in the future, that the winner of this little quiz he has for us gets to determine what what the subject is. 
I I agree, and we also agree that the loser gets shipped off to war. <laughs> Understood. Those are the terms. <laughs> Those are the terms. Rodney, what was the list you are wanting to do if you win? Uh, I want to do the top ten list of actors or actresses who disappeared after like a notable performance. So like one hit wonders, if you will, but for actors and actresses. Okay, and when I win, uh, what we will be doing is the top 10 acting performances of all time. And if you win, I will just say that you guys planned it and that you guys had colluded together. So it's really a lo- it's a win-win for me. Cause Until you get shipped off to war. <laughs> that, will, that, will be, that part will stink. Okay, so as I said at the beginning of the podcast, the, the quiz is called The War List or, or Enlisted. So it's a lovely pun there. Like um, so it's... I've, I've modified it from a, a, another quiz. So the idea is um, I'm going to give you five clues. Uh, the clue may be a setting. It may be an actor. It may be a fact about the film. It may be a quote. A and palette. it could be the color palette if Rodney's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and so... So it's five clues, and each clue is getting progressively easier. Okay, so I'll give you like the, f- the first clue, and if you guess on that clue and get it right, you get five points. Okay. If you guess on the second clue and get it right, you get four points, uh, etc., down to one. Okay. Okay. Are we but, alternating or are we shouting out? No, we're shouting out. Okay. So I think. Go away. All right. Um, Rodney has to shout Barry for yeah. Barry Pepper. Barry. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, what, what are you going to shout, Chet? Well, I shout uh, Fury. Fury. Fury and Barry. Okay. Uh, but if you shout out and you're wrong, you're then frozen out until the other person has a guess. Okay. I like that. So I, some of the ones are on the list. Some are films that aren't on the list. Okay. We are on the okay. same page. Well, let's go. Uh, number one. Here we go. So first clue is the Second World War. Nope. No guesses. All right. Next clue. Captain John Miller. Nope, nothing. No, nothing. No guesses. Next clue. Lost the best picture Oscar to Shakespeare in Love. Uh, Barry. Barry, yep. Yeah. Uh, that was um, Saving Private Ryan. It's correct. Three oh, points. Ah. Uh, you know, that was in our Oscars episode. It stuff. was in our Oscars episode. It was yeah. in our Oscars episode. And that's annoying because the next clue was Barry Pepper. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see. But I needed the, I probably need the point. So what do I have? Three? Yeah, you got three points All there. Right. I feel really good about myself already. Here we go. Next one. First clue is Michael Fassbender. Fury. Yes, Fury. Is it Inglorious Bastards? Incorrect. Frozen out. Yes. Ah. I knew he was going to ah. get greedy. I knew he was going to get greedy. Here we go. Here we go, Barry. Next clue is a quote. No man threatens a messenger. Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to I'm going to play okay. it safe. Next next one. It's the film is about a brave king leading men into battle. Brave king leading men into battle. Do you want the next? You'll get yeah. it on the next one. Next clue. Next clue is Gerard Butler. It's, oh, 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 so the the three hundred. This is the worst. Oh, day yes. three hundred. Yeah, the worst day of my life. Yeah, three hundred. I, I was like, I, I free, now see, I was so focused on the ones that we had already agreed to that I <laughs> kingly. That's correct. Okay, here we go. Next one. First clue is Hitler. No. <laughs> you never, you never. I thought, I thought that was there. The was only rule, podcast the ever to immediately laugh. The, when <laughs> the only rule in podcasting is you're not allowed to say that name. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, carry on. It's a name that should not be mentioned. 
<laughs> Sorry. Next clue. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio said the Colonel was unplayable. The Colonel was unplayable. So he turned down a major role in this film because he said it, the Colonel, the role was unplayable. Mm, I get nothing. Nope. Okay. Next clue is Mike Myers. What? Mm. Are you? What? This is bad. This is. I'm getting exposed. Uh, okay. This is bad Next for clue. our brand. Yeah. <laughs> Next clue is Colonel Hans Lander. What? Oh, shoot. Are you kidding? Hold on, hold on. I know nothing about anything. <laughs> that's it. That's the second. You're gonna kick yourself clue? in a minute. Do you want the last clue? Yeah. Yes. Christoph Waltz. Fury. Um. Uh. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Okay. Do I get to celebrate that? I got one point. You got one point there. Oh my gosh. You know what I thought? I I thought when you yelled in that your your guess was Fury. No, it's going to be like, no, you idiot. It's Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. Um. All right. Oh, one point. Wow. I'm on the board. You're on the board. On the board. It's five one. There's two left. All right, I got this. Okay, here we go. So next one. Uh, first clue is Mel Gibson. Fury. Oh, he's oh, gone in early. One. I need this one. I need this one. I need this one. We were soldiers. Oh, he's nailed it. You are kidding. That's right. You are kidding. Let's go. You are <laughs> no kidding. Way. Patriots are down twenty-eight to you are three. Su- man. The, I, this is where collusion has happened. I'm already calling Six, it. Two, we've we've five. talked about Mel Gibson in like seven other times today, and you guess we were soldiers. Six-five. Wait, how many more questions do we have? One, last one. Oh my last god! One. So you went Six up by five. one. I'm up by one. You stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last one. Uh. First clue, suicide mission. Fury. Oh, it's gone for it again. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm doing it. I'm going big or going home. Is it Valkyrie? Incorrect. No. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, All right. So my headphones. I'm, gonna, I'm, can, I'm stopping oh. at two. I, I, I say go big or go home. So I'm going to guess at two or if you can draw if you get it at one. I'm not going to. I refuse to draw with, with Chet. That would Future, be, I've got one. I've got a, I've got a tiebreaker if we need it. Okay. 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 If you've got a tiebreaker, then maybe if I need it. Okay. So next clue, blueprints. Carry on. Carry on. Next clue, sarcastic sidekick. So I'm at three right now, right? So I'm going to yep. say carry on. <laughs> Diego Luna. You've got to be kidding me. I'm so <laughs> mad. I'm so mad. Um, I, this is creative. Good one, Lyndon. <laughs> Do you want me to go? Yeah, let's get it on the last one. Yeah, let's go to the foolproof. The last one is Darth Vader. Yes, I. Does he get negative points if he doesn't get any of it? Darth Vader. Um, He won't. We've spoken about it. Oh, is it's the Rogue One? Yeah. Yeah. We're tied. We're tied. For the the record, I have not seen Rogue One, and I have never mind. I've already. Lyndon's already disappointed enough in me. I don't want to tell him how how (laughs) few of the Star Wars I've seen. Okay, tiebreaker time. Here we go. So it's a film we haven't discussed. Okay, so this is just this is just, uh, and it's, it's a war film. It's a yeah. war film, but one we haven't discussed at all. So first clue is McKelty Williamson, who was in Fences. Nothing. I'm gonna go. Right. Yep. Next clue: Mark Wahlberg. Any guesses? Barry. Oh, you oh he's it. gone for he's it. it. He's got it. Lone Survivor. Incorrect. Oh no! Oh, that's what I thought it was. Okay, here we go. Here oh, we go. Here we go. Yeah. Next clue. First goal four. I I didn't even. Nope. Not next. Next clue is stolen gold. Stolen gold. Yes, Deepwater Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> stolen gold. 
You could win it. I can give you the last one. You can still win it. If okay, you let's get the last one here. George Clooney. Oh, uh, we three, uh, three kings. Three kings is yeah. correct. We three said, kings. You said we three kings. That's not it. <laughs> and I paused. I said three kings. Technicality. Well, you said you said <laughs> lose uh, on a technicality. You said uh, the rogue one. <laughs> so that's not what it's called either. I also the ref said allows it. The three hundred seven times. <laughs> the ref allows it. I like it. So that means that our next episode, gentlemen, that we will prepare for is the top ten acting performances of all time. I um, uh, you have no idea. That both of us are far too competitive. That I don't know if you know this, but the fact that quizzes are being brought into this is just going to cause a lot of dissension on the podcast. It's not and, good. And in life, it's good to have a, a post match debrief. You had an early lead there and you threw it away. <laughs> Thank you for that. Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, it's hard to win the quiz when you guys collude together. We, <laughs> we, we were soldiers is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. That was out I, of nowhere. I needed to go for it. I need a ridiculous thing in the world. There's no way that's true. I guarantee right now he erased he erased Braveheart. He he erased saving no, what do I, what was the other one that we talked about? Patriot. Right, Patriot. <laughs> saving Private Ryan. Um well, this was this was fun, except now I'm 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 extremely angry. So you can find us uh, on Twitter at down the hall guys, you can go to our website, down the hall where you can actually scroll down to the bottom of the page and recommend a movie for us. And also just today we had, um, someone who had listened to our episode on captain fantastic and had a lot to say, a lot to think about it and, uh, commented on our blog post on our site. So keep the conversation going. We love that. Um, so we're going to give him a shout out in our next episode. And of course you can email us at down the hall podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Rodney, why don't you tell us about checked out in Jersey? Uh, so Checked Out in Jersey is the show that we are on every Monday where we talk about our movie recommendation of the week uh, with Matt and Pete. And um, basically, we, tr- we just try and convince them of a movie to see. They go and see it, and then they come back and tell us whether we did a good job or not. Yeah, it's been going well so far. Lyndon, where can we find you? Uh, just quickly, I, um, I'm a, it was nice, Rodney, to mention Checked Out in Jersey without insulting Jersey this time. This, that was time, good. this time I figured, you know... Uh, I've already talked about how it's it's the toilet of America. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move quickly on. You can uh, you can find the uh, my reviews on top10films.co.uk. Recently reviewed Logan. I'm going to be posting a review for Ben Wheatley's new film Free Fire very soon. And you can find me on Twitter at lwellsfilm. Excellent. You know what I can't wait for, Chet? What's that? Is to hear how much backlash he gets for having to put 13 hours on a list. oh yeah well anyway that is Lyndon that's Rodney next to me and I'm Chet and we are signing off thank you again for listening